Well, he asked us why we had so many bags, and we were like, well, <laughs> you know, like we're we're on the Blue Jays, really. This guy's a freaking one of one, man. This is this is a special person that the Blue Jays are getting to watch every day. When you see something like that, it helps you remember what you love so much about baseball. Welcome to another episode of Digging In with JP and CB. I'm your host, Nick Ashbourne, and today on the podcast, our guest is going to be Thomas Pannone, the versatile left-hander who's getting a chance right now for the Blue Jays. They've kind of cleared the deck from a starting pitching perspective, and now they're going to give the young guys a shot. Pannone is one of those young guys, and we've seen him put up some big performances before. Obviously, we're going to talk to him about the Immaculate Inning because that's a cool historical accomplishment a few months ago, but... This has got to be a really big and exciting time if you're Thomas Pannone. Yeah, for sure. I mean, that's a, the there's the pros and cons of being on a on a rebuilding team, and one of the pros is you get chances to to prove, you know, your wealth. Really, I mean, you get to you get to prove that you belong. You get to prove that you can be a starter in the major leagues. I think that it's got to be tough, man, to to bounce back and forth between starter reliever, starter reliever. I feel like the the yo-yo's got to be kind of Harder than than uh, people expect, but I'm sure you know we'll ask him and he'll give the he'll give the good answer like oh you know I'm just ready for any situation. But you, that can't be easy. I mean, I imagine for you like hey Nick, one week you're covering this team. Hey next next week we're gonna have you for a few days cover one team, and then I mean you, you're you don't know how to it's, the preparation is the toughest part, right? And so um, I imagine it's gotta be tough, but it is a good situation for him. Yeah, we saw this happen a little bit with Joe Biagini, and he bounced across a couple of roles, and it took him a while to settle in. And we don't know exactly where Pannone's going to settle in. He could wind up being a starter, could wind up being a reliever. But, you know, if you talk to pitchers, they want to start, and he's getting that chance to start now, and I'm sure that he's really enthusiastic about that because the bullpen is kind of the place people go when their time as a starter is over. So... I'm sure that he's excited about keeping that dream alive. But before we get to Pannone, I wanted to talk a little bit about a little bit of an odd uh, announcement that came out, which was that they're going to play a game next year, 2020 season, at the Field of Dreams site in Iowa. So I'm going to get into this a little bit, JP, in terms of how much of a movie... Well, you said the other week that you're not a huge movie guy. How much of a baseball movie guy you are, whether you think the Field of Dreams idea is cool or not. I think it's a bit odd, personally, because often when they bounce around, a good example this year is London. They went to London, and that's about seeking out new fans and growing the game. When you go to somewhere like this, it feels more like a publicity stunt to get a few headlines as opposed to something that's going to have a material you know, advantage for the game of baseball and for Major League Baseball. I'm a little bit skeptical of it. I think it's going to be a fun setting to watch on TV, and I'm sure that on Sports Center there's going to be a lot of clips of it. But I don't know. It seems like a bit much to me. You know, as a fan, I actually kind of like it. I think, uh, not as a fan, excuse me, as a as an ex player, I, I think that it's it's cool to break up the the just the every day. I mean. You're always at a big league park, and 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 obviously it's like the coolest thing, and it's and it's great for a player. But over time, it still gets it becomes just you know normal life. So I think switching it up is it it's fun for guys, right? I think you know you go to London. I'm sure that the players maybe other than the the travel, right? The travel's a little tougher, but um, I I I sure I'm sure that 
guys actually enjoy it and i and i would love to see even more of it actually uh i like that when they did the little league game i, I just think things like that are cool for players just because it breaks up the just the mundane like always going to the field it's 162 and and that people will probably be like oh yeah tough going to a major league field every day but it just it just gives a little bit of break into uh, uh an everyday i mean because remember there's not much breaks uh, in the season for a major league season. So I think this is just gives a different look, gives other fans opportunity to go to a game. You know, if you're in Iowa, I'm, I'm sure you're not just making games on a regular, major league games on a regular. So I, I kind of like it. I used to like it when they go down to Puerto Rico. You know, I, I think that it could be fun to be able to do these one-off games for fans and for players. I think it's definitely good for you know for the local fans. I can see the advantage for the players. I just think there there might be more productive ones to do. I think the London one is a really good idea because a lot of people are skeptical of that one early on with football, and people are like uh, why they're doing that. And it's actually started to really build in England. Like people are starting to care about NFL. Some people are starting to like the Jaguars, which is good because there's not a lot of people in the U.S. who like the Jaguars. So if they can get a <laughs> fan base out there, that'll help them. Um, and I think that that's a nifty. And, you know, English people have access to cricket, and that's a good entryway. Like, I know my father's English. He came to this country. Baseball appealed to him because he could compare it to cricket in his mind, and it was easy for him to make that jump. So I think those ones are interesting. But I understand from a player's perspective, the travel for this, or when they go to Japan, like the Mariners did before, like that's brutal. So if you're a player and it's just like a quick hop over to Iowa, that's got to be a big improvement over some of the other ones, even if the other ones have, I think, probably a little bit more value to the league. Yeah, but, you know, don't don't get it twisted on the value end because players get a little extra coin. I'm pretty sure when they do these trips uh, to different places, they, they get a little bit extra coin in their pocket. So... Uh, I know that the guys in Japan, going to Japan, they did. And so I, I don't think necessarily it's it's the worst um, thing for them. But again, I I, I think it is cool. I, I, You know, you asked me if I'm a movie buff. Yeah, I'm a movie buff. Or not a movie buff. But And really don't watch a ton of baseball movies. I would say for me more, if you were going to ask me like baseball movies, I'd be more of a Sandlot, Angels in the Outfield kind of guy, the rookie. More a little comedy ish um but i just think it's cool i do know field of dreams obviously and you know the the movie so as a player i'm sure there's going to be some players that love it and fans but i I mean yeah is it is it not the best place to do it i'm sure there could be better places but for the for the time being i you know what i would love is i would love them to do like these test series in in the markets that they that they want to you know test out like do an actual in-season game in Montreal uh, for the Jays and see, okay, is this is this a real deal or not? Do Portland where they want to try to look, they're trying to create a team in Portland. Okay, let's let's find something in Portland and see is the fan base ready for a team. Go to Nashville, go to the, go to Vegas, go to these places, and then have have those games there and see, you know, what what kind of reception you get. I I think that that would be cool to test test it that way and in season. Yeah, I think that's a really good idea, especially because we talked about Montreal. It's a big topic and how the Jays go there and that series creates excitement in that city. And But at the same time, the attendance has been down a little bit. It was this year. And I think that if they were able to make it a regular season game, that would be a big difference. Like Ultimately, there's only so much 
excitement a preseason game could draw. But if you're talking about, I don't know, a game in the middle of July, maybe, I don't, I guess Toronto would probably never give up Canada Day. I think that would be a cool way to do it, to be like embracing other Canadian market for Canada Day. I don't see that ever happening. But if they did that mid-season, uh, I think that could be really exciting. It is what it is. I think that they're doing a good job of just trying to break up a little bit. Even like, you know, we're talking about it, you know, they're trying to get a little bit newer generation. They're trying to do things that could just grow the game because, you know, one of the stories, the storylines is that baseball isn't as popular and isn't as watched, you know, as of recent years. Um, But I just think, I just think, listen, at the end of the day, the more the merrier of these little one-offs. I, I, I truly think the players would like it. You know, you get to see another city. You get to experience new fans. You get to, you get to, you know, break up that, that everyday lifestyle. And I do think it could be a good test. And, and I, would, I would even like to see, you know, hey, if it's the Tampa Bay Rays, throw the Tampa Bay Rays and Blue Jays series up in Montreal and see, you know, do a three-game set and see what the deal is. Or even do... If it's if it's a, a six game set and do home and away, the, the Blue Jays are home for a little bit. I mean, however they need to do it. Um, but I think those things would be cool to just test the markets. And you're and you're right. They don't you know, exhibition games are exhibition games, but people are not. If I was saying, hey, this is a, a real, you know, series mid, you know, let's say mid set or even a September series in a in a neutral zone. Yankees Boston and listen I know they won't want to do that because it's going to take a lot of money out of their pockets because of their fans and all that stuff but it gives it yeah you grow the game people are going to want to go and see that people are going to be bought in and so I kind of I think that it's good that they're moving around to different spots to play you know one-off or one-off series and it's good it's getting headlines too I think that that's a huge part of it for Major League Baseball is getting you know, people who aren't necessarily huge baseball fans are probably going to be talking about this, like, oh, did you hear they're going to play a game at the Field of Dreams thing? Or when, when, even when they went to London, that's the sort of thing that baseball, the problem with baseball's popularity right now is that it's fairly regional and it's often fairly specific to baseball fans. And the biggest example that we always bring up is how Mike Trout is like the greatest uh, baseball player potentially of all time and definitely right now and he's not a big overall celebrity things in baseball tend to stay in that baseball world in that baseball circle and when you do things where you're engaging you know oddly a little bit where you're engaging movie fans for instance by doing a field of dreams thing you're engaging people that aren't invested as exclusively in baseball that I know that I'm contradicting myself earlier because I said I this wouldn't grow the game just going to Iowa, Iowa but Maybe it doesn't grow the game, but it reminds reminds everyone that baseball is still going on. And it gets baseball into the minds of people that maybe don't think about baseball on a day-in-day-out basis. Yeah, then it gets covered. It gets covered. It'll get covered in different spots, and, and people that even just watch it on TV, they'll they'll be able to, well, that's cool. Look, they're doing a you know a different game here. Even it, any way that you can get baseball in people's minds. But <clears throat> I think that at some point, the baseball and like other sports are doing and different things is I think I think live betting is going to be a, a, a huge part of of eventually getting more, even more interest in baseball. All right, we're going to be joined now by Blue Jays Southpaw Thomas Pannone. As Nick said, our guest today, Thomas Pannone. First off, I have a question out of the gate. I saw you were an outfielder in high school as well as a pitcher. Would you consider yourself the best hitter? 
on the pitching staff right now? Um, yeah, I think so. I got to say, yeah. I mean, I got good bat to ball, you know. I, I just make good solid contact. So uh, <laughs> we did we did a couple rounds of BP earlier on in the season, me, Gaviglio, Thornton, uh, a couple of the other guys before we went on to uh, play in San Fran. So I got to take a couple of swings on the field, so I still got it. But uh, definitely need a, need a few more reps, you know. By by still got it. Were you? Does that mean that you're a line drive guy, or did you at least rattle the seats a little bit? What are we working with? No, yeah, I was pretty much just line driving. I was all over the place, though. I mean, uh, <laughs> gap to gap. I actually I one hopped one over the center field wall, but I mean, wasn't. Uh, I actually didn't put one out. I was kind of let down about that, but I was. I still had still had a good swing, so I well, felt what, good about it. One hop over the over the wall is all right because if you were facing a big league pitcher at, at ninety, that's a homer. So I give you I give you that. Who was the worst pitcher? Who was the worst hitting pitcher? Um, um we only had a couple guys hit, and I got to say Thornton. Thornton had a couple really nice at bats in San Fran, so I can't say him. Uh, and Gaviglio was the only other one that took BP. So I don't really know who's the worst, but we got a couple guys I could definitely swing it. <laughs> With that outfield background you've got, did you see that Vince Velasquez play where he gunned the guy down at the plate? And you think uh, that's something you could mix in at some point? Yeah, I mean that, that was uh, that's like a dream of mine to have that opportunity to be out there and come through a ball like that and, and get the rifle at the home. Uh, I mean, doing that. I, last time I got to do that was in junior college, and and. I mean, those are like some of the best memories I have of that season, just just rifling guys out from the outfield. But um, yeah, I mean, that was a pretty sick play that he made. I imagine I imagine a lot of pitchers were jealous around the league. I know how hard you guys shag in BP, but you know we'll get to we'll get to some pitching stuff. The you have been in the bullpen, a starter, and the bullpen, and a starter, and and you've you've handled it, dude. You've handled it very, very well. How tough is that to just constantly have different ways of preparing, or has it been easy for you? Um, I mean, it's definitely been different. I never, I never had to do anything like this before. Um, you know, making the team out in the bullpen. I mean, I was, I was embracing it, and I, and I, I wanted it really bad. I mean, I just, I wanted to, I want to be a big leaguer, and that's whatever role really. Whatever role I fit in on this team, I'll do as long as I'm pitching. And uh, I mean, bouncing back and forth was a little bit tough in the beginning, but right now being in the rotation is nice. You know, I got to go back down to AAA and get in a good routine and um, come back up here and, and feel a little bit better. So, so uh, it's going right. Yeah. Seems like every year somebody with options, a pitcher, is going to be the guy who gets shuttled up and down a lot, and you've been that guy at times. You said you're able to get that routine at AAA. Obviously, in a lot of ways, that's a bummer, but what are the, some of the advantages of getting to work on your craft at AAA, kind of away from the bright lights with everyone paying attention to every pitch you make? Yeah, I mean, I think there's, you can look at it a couple different ways. I mean, you can get options down to AAA. You can obviously be upset about it and, and sulking and, and have a bad attitude towards it. But I, I mean, I went there with a positive mindset and I went there just, you know, looking at it as a time where I can get better and, and continue to get innings and continue to work on my pitches and um, my mound presence. And, you know, I, I, I kind of got roughed around a little bit before I got option down to AAA. So it was a good time for me to build my confidence back up and, 
you know, Doug Mathis is a great pitching coach down there, and he he got me back on good track. So, uh, yeah, I thought I thought it was all positive when I went down there. Every time I went down there, it was it was a you know it was good for me. I think. When you're a guy who's at AAA and you've been with the big club a lot of the season, how much do other guys on the team come to you for insights about what's going on in that clubhouse, what the atmosphere is like, what Toronto's like? Did you find that you were someone people went to a lot because you were one of the the experts on the 2019 Blue Jays? Yeah, I think, I mean, definitely going down to AAA and being around those guys. I mean, I mean, all these experiences that I've had in the big leagues this year are new for me too. So, you know, I get to share those, you know, share those times with other guys and tell them stories or tell them, you know, about how the season's going with certain guys. I mean, uh, yeah, I definitely was, was, uh, you know, sharing what I'd been learning or, you know, been seeing. So, uh, it was good, good for me to uh, be around those guys and, and talk and stuff. Talk about the immaculate inning. I think that's pretty cool. To, just, just like, I mean, at what point did you know it? Did you know it from the, after the first strikeout? Like, what, talk about that that time. Um, well, I mean, after the first strikeout, I, just, I mean, there was never a thought in my mind like, damn, I'm going to throw immaculate inning right now. But, <laughs> um, I threw, I mean, the first guy, I get him out. Second guy, I got him out. And then I give strike one to the third hitter. And I'm like, I'm like, damn, is that seven in a row? So I looked up. And I saw, because in Toronto they got the balls and strikes like right up to your right, like how many like total pitches you've thrown. And I see I got seven strike zero balls. I'm like, all right, next pitch I get another strike, and I'm like, all right, I, I just you know got to just throw this one down the middle. Like just let this guy like he's gonna get out. You know, just throw, just throw a strike. That's really all I wanted to do. And um, I actually the, the pitch that I got got the last guy out on was a little bit off the plate but you know a little bit of a generous call but I mean it was it was uh it was sick you know I came back walking in the dugout and I looked at Pete and I was like that's nine in a row right and he everyone was laughing buckholes was going crazy uh it was just a really cool moment for me did you did you keep that baseball uh no I don't I don't think I did no I didn't uh. I didn't get the ball or anything no with the you well that was that was awesome also you had a game where you took a no hitter into the seventh, and and for me as a as a catcher, I had one go eight and two thirds, and my heart was going through my chest. For you guys, what what's how does that? I mean, everybody's different, but for you, how was that that game, and and especially later in the game, how was it for you? Yeah, um, I mean, the beginning of the game, I wasn't really thinking about anything. I was just trying to make pitches, and then as I got deeper and deeper, uh, I mean, I got through the sixth inning, and I was just I mean, that was my first start in the big leagues, too. It wasn't like – I mean, it was – I was just going crazy at that point. And then went out for the seventh inning, and then uh, it, it really was – it wasn't on my mind. It wasn't like, all right, don't give up a hit. I wasn't pitching scared or anything. And I just – you know, I left the pitch over the plate to Trey Mancini, and he punched it through the six hole. And uh, it was definitely a good run through those, those six innings right there. And uh, – I mean, he got the first base. He gave me a little head nod, like you know, good, like, good job till up up until now, buddy. But I got you. So, but it was it was cool. How do your teammates react in moments like? So, for example, we had Clay Buckholtz come on the podcast to talk about. Well, not only to talk about. He's got lots of stuff to talk about. We had him come on yeah. and we asked him about the your immaculate inning because his reaction was very very noticeable compared to some of the other guys. And yeah. When you're going through the no hitter. There's a tradition of guys 
uh, kind of avoiding you a little bit, not talk too much. How did you find your experience with your teammates during those sort of big individual moments? Yeah, I mean, at the time when I threw the immaculate inning and I saw Buckle's reaction, I mean, I was just like, wow, this, you know, I mean, he's, he's this guy's really pulling for me. And, like, he, he was so excited for me. And then I later came to find out that he had thrown an immaculate inning too. So um, it was just, it was a cool moment, you know, to, to see him react that way. And, uh, I mean, yeah, it was, it was just pretty awesome. And then the, the no-hitter going into the seventh, uh, I mean, that was just, that was just an awesome day, really. And uh, had things – everything was working, throwing a lot of strikes. And, uh, yeah. On your teammates, it's interesting how the Blue Jays – I mean, any team in this position, when they're rebuilding and they're bringing young guys, there's just a change in the clubhouse from yeah. – even from the beginning of the 2019 season to – where we are now after some of the trades that have been made and some of the people have called up, how has the culture in the clubhouse changed and what's that atmosphere like right now with all these young guys, especially with guys like Bo and Vladdy performing so well at the moment? Yeah. Um, I mean, it's a very loose clubhouse. I mean, I think everyone's in there pulling for one another. Um, a lot of guys that came up together, uh, succeeded together in the minor leagues and now, you know, playing in the big leagues together. Um, it's just it's fun it's, it's fun to see guys like Vladdy I mean yesterday when he faced uh Chapman I mean I'm I'm sitting up on the railing just my palms were sweating like crazy I was I, I wanted him to hit a home run so bad it was just uh I mean it's just really cool to be with this group of guys you know trying to all uh, make our mark in the big leagues at the same time so um we got a really uh, a great group of guys, and I think it's going to be a very exciting future, you know, with the Blue Jays and uh, for years to come. You know, you go to the field every day, and obviously it's it's later in the year, and and guys are further out of it, I would say. And for me as a player, I used to come to the field with a little bit of a chip on my shoulder, like, all right, I'm going to try to ruin somebody else's, uh, you know, kind of season. What what fires you guys up every day going to the yard? I think just that right there, what you just said, like, I mean, we know, we know the standings, we know where we're at right now. And I mean, you could see teams like the Yankees and the Rays and, you know, the Red Sox trying to get back in it. Uh, I mean, you know, you, you, you can ruin their seasons by taking games from them. And, um, I mean, just putting up a strong fight against them, uh, I think is the best thing for us is going out there competing and, and giving it all, giving it our all. So, uh, definitely going to that the field every day with that fire, and I mean we have it in that locker room before the game. I mean everyone's jacked up, ready to go. So it's a lot of fun. You know, I've been with some lefties that are that are some quirky dudes. You seem like a normal lefty, so I'm going to give you the benefit of the doubt. But are there any superstition? Are you ever? Are there any superstitions that you that you got going on, or what? Uh, no, I don't really have too many superstitions. I mean, I keep it pretty. Uh, I mean, I'm pretty like routine oriented on. Game day, I, I do the same thing pretty much over and over, especially, you know, coming in the dugout where I sit, running back out onto the field. You know, I keep things the same way. And uh, I've heard that, that lefties are kind of weird. I mean, I talk about a lot with Mesa and Baraki. And, uh, I think I'm pretty normal. <laughs> One of my favorite stories surrounding this team this year, and there have been so many good stories with young guys getting a chance to achieve their dreams, is 
Kevin Biggio when he had to drive to Toronto to the big leagues yeah. because of everything being so late and you sitting right there with him and taking that drive yeah. and seeing the skyline appear over the horizon and kind of becoming real for him. So I was just wondering your perspective on that moment and that drive and what, what do you talk about during that time? Is it all like excitement about the future and baseball or, you know, is it just getting your mind on other things? What was that experience like? Yeah. Um, well, that day he got called up. I mean, I, I got called up too. And, um, we were in, uh, Rochester and made our way back to Buffalo and he had his truck. So, um, I hopped in with him and, and we drove on up here. It was just, it was awesome for me because, you know, this, this guy's killed it through the minor leagues. He's coming up, he's going to make his major league debut. And I get the chance to drive up to the, up to Toronto with him. And, uh, I mean, he was smiling the whole time. I mean, year to year, I mean, he obviously had a lot going on, a lot of people reaching out to him and, uh, congratulating him. And, uh, just to be with him in that moment was, was awesome for me and to spend that time driving up. And, uh, I mean, we were driving and we got to see this, we see the, uh, the CN tower and I'm like, Hey bro, I'm like, just follow that thing. Just keep heading right towards there, you know, cause that's like, whenever I'm in the city and, um, I, I'm getting to know the city a lot better now than, than I have. But if I was ever lost, I would literally just look up in the sky and be like, oh, I just got to follow that. I just got to head towards there, you know, like that's what I told him and, and it was just a cool time for us a few a couple more and then we'll let you go but so you get to the you get to the customs and the guy says why are you guys going to the to uh, Canada and, and you guys say what um well he asked us why we had so many bags and we we're like well <laughs> you know like we're we're on the Blue Jays really and <laughs> For him at that point, I mean, it, it was cool for him to say, you know, like we're on the Blue Jays because it's his first time being able to say that. And, uh, I always find that funny, you know, when you when you cross the border coming up here and they ask you why you're coming coming to Toronto or coming to Canada, and then and you tell them you're going to play for the Blue Jays. It's just a it's a proud moment to be able to say that to somebody and, uh, in a humble way, obviously, you know. Yeah, are you a, are you last one and we'll let you go? Are you a Dumb and Dumber movie guy? Oh yeah, for sure. There, <laughs> that movie's based out of Rhode Island, and I'm oh, from Rhode Island. So. Uh, that's, that's why I wanted to ask you. So, so yeah. Freda Felcher, Freda Felcher <laughs> yeah. from Cranston. Yeah, that's my hometown. <laughs> so is that is that for you? Like, do you use that line? What you? I mean, that's that's one of my favorite lines in the movie from Cranston. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I definitely use that line a lot. People always. People always say that line to me too when they find out I'm from Cranston. They're like, "Oh, afraid of culture?" And I'm like, "Yep." <laughs> <laughs> All right, dude. Well, thank you very much for coming on, man. It was fun. Yeah, yeah. Thank you guys for having me. Yeah, I think you did hit on something. This is how you expect uh, lefties to be kind of like quirky, and he just seems like this really down the middle type of dude. It's it's unusual. He's got it's like Joe Biagini's got the lefty brain, and uh, Panone got the righty brain somehow. Yeah, you know, I was I wanted to leave that last one because I saw you know I saw when I saw he was from Cranston, I wanted to say, oh my gosh, just please tell me that he he knows this, which I'm sure he does. But I mean, just if imagine if you're like, hey, you're Dumb and Dumber, and he's like, oh, whatever, dude, I get it for Cranston, but it it was fun because that's that's one of my favorite. I'm not a movie guy, but that is one of my favorite movies of all time. 
and also like when you're from one of those places it's a little bit smaller and less publicized and then like for whatever reason it gets referenced in like a movie or like a huge tv show or something like it really get it glom like the community will glom onto that and be like yo that's our moment that's our thing <laughs> i mean certain people are never going to say that about dumb and dumber to be honest but like you know most people I, can embrace i it. mean but it's a great movie so it, listen we're talking baseball movies earlier this is obviously different but it, it's a I would say that 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 city, Cranston. If I were to, if that movie never was made, I wouldn't. If they said Cranston, Rhode Island, I'd be like, never heard of it. But Cranston, afraid of Felcher. Now I've heard of it. There you go. I did want to touch on one Blue Jays thing that happened this uh, week, and it's not Bobichet. Although we could just talk about Bobichet every week, I all, guess, based all, on the way all he's day going. long. Jeez. All day long. I do. So we're going to go back to our original person that we talked about all the time, and that's Vladdy. I think we got to touch on the 13 pitch at bat. Those don't happen very often. They really don't happen very often against a role as Chapman, who's the kind of guy who puts you down in three pitches. Uh, seems like more often than not. What does that duel say for you about where Vladdy's at, where his development's at, and uh, how did you feel about that moment? Because it was pretty cool having a moment where both Yankees fans and Blue Jays fans are both cheering, although you know it didn't work out for the Blue Jays as it were, but there was so much respect for from Blue Jays fans to what Vladdy accomplished there, and obviously the Yankees are happy about the outcome. You just don't see that moment too often where everyone is like, wow, this is amazing. Yeah, I, I just think it's greatness. I mean, I, I, I sum it up in one word. It's it's greatness. There, you have a pitcher on the mound who's who's a freaking absolute rock star of a player, and then you have a young the young gun in the game who's like, he quote-unquote started slow, but, I mean, the guy is still – I mean, you look at his numbers. His numbers, uh, he's been finishing hot, but his numbers are insane. He's one of the best young players in the future of this game. But to me, when you have two absolute rock stars go at it and you have a standing ovation, I just think that that speaks to the gravity of greatness. It's it's almost like a, you know, like a Djokovic, Nadal kind of like back and forth. And then they have this long you know said back and forth back and forth and all of a sudden that that one point everybody's going crazy for right i mean everybody and that's to me that's that's what went on with vlad and with chapman is you see two of the best of the game kind of going at it and people respecting listen you know how hard it is to foul off that many balls in and in a person who's throwing 100 miles an hour and and has got the stuff that chapman has we can sit here and and talk to her blue in the face about Vladdy and how special he is but it just is another kind of thing it's another kind of just a, a I would say like a notch on all the reasons why this guy is not just the the one prospect that you go like oh yeah we'll see what happens like no dude this guy's a freaking one of one man this is this is a special person that the Blue Jays are getting to watch every day I also think that the moment itself speaks to what's the best about baseball I think sometimes one of the problems with baseball is that the biggest moment someone comes up to the plate and like, you know, not to disrespect anyone, but let's say it's like the backup catcher is the guy who happens to be at the plate at like the biggest moment in the game. And you kind of want to see the best go up against the best and baseball, the way it's structured means that you can't always have that. But when you do have it, I think it might be better even than any other sport, the way it truly is like a mono and mono moment. 
something. I mean, maybe an ISO in basketball, but there's still other players on the court. The guy always has the option to pass out of it. When baseball, you're locked into this confrontation. There's no trying to get it to a different player. There's no trying to use the space of the field. There's no escaping. Like it, in football, maybe a great tackler, great running back. There's a juke. There's a, And I guess that's a form of defeating someone. But in baseball, you're stuck in that box. You cannot leave. And this guy, Chapman, who is you know a lot of people's worst nightmare, is bearing down on you. And you have your back against the wall and you're fighting. And I think that sometimes in baseball that seems mundane and it's not the pitcher's not the most exciting pitcher, the hitter's not the most exciting hitter, or the moment doesn't work because the game is out of hand. But this was one of those perfect, perfect moments where the game was tight, it was the right pitcher, it was the right batter, and they had the right fight. And I think that that's just – it's – the best part of baseball. It's poetry. It's, it's, it's rare. It's yeah. It's rarer than we want it to be. Uh, but when you see it, I think when you see something like that, it helps you remember what you love so much about baseball. And I know that it did for me. It helped me remember why I made baseball this big a chunk of my life, which is a decision that's arguably silly in a lot of ways. Uh, you know, there's ups and downs to that, but it made me feel. A, a stronger connection to the game watching something like that happen uh i would like to add to that but i think honestly you just said it like perfectly honestly i think that was a a, a perfect way of of illustrating what went on on that at bat all right well our my uh would you rather for today is very philosophical so i'm glad that uh we left a little bit more time maybe than usual for it because it's uh i think it's a real chin it's a real doozy it's a doozy would you rather be only able to speak facts or only able to speak opinions? Only able to speak facts and only able to speak opinions. I'm sure that you can do like a basic, you know, like, hello, a basic, like you don't, not to the point where people are going to think you're some kind of like a weird robot. Yeah. But if you, you can't, if you can only speak facts, it means you can't ever speak your opinion. And if you can only speak your opinion, it means you can never speak any kind of fact. Um, but opinions could still be like, it could be informed by fact, I suppose. I mean, that's a bit of a warping of it, but you'll never be able to, You'll never have to back up your opinion with fact, even if you know that fact and you, you'll never be, I would say also within the spirit of it, you'll never have to re like refer people to a fact. You won't be like, oh, well, here's my opinion and here are some links that you guys should go to for how to back up that opinion. Man, I, you know what? I would, I would like to say that I would be facts, but I, I don't know. I would, I, I would say that opinion probably because I get paid to, to give an opinion and so... If I'm doing it now for a living, and listen, what's weird is a lot of those opinions are given on based on facts, right? Like I actually have to, I'll say like, hey, I think this starter is going to be great because yada 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 is. But I would I would like to give my opinion, and and you know whoever can listen will go off of do they agree or do they not agree. But I I would I feel like just because I'd be able to have a normal. A little bit more of a normal life if I can give opinions and not have to give facts. I feel like the vice versa. If if everything was just like fact, 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 people would be like, dude, freaking I hate you. Don't 
they I'd be calling people and they'd be like, yeah, you know, I'm busy tonight. Thanks, man. Uh, so I, I think at least opinion, you could have a little bit more of a normal life and maybe people get annoyed by all your opinions, I guess, too. But I would say I would rather that than have to just be fact this, fact that, fact this, fact that. Yeah, I, th- I think there's two layers to it I would want to point out. One of them is the one that you just touched on. If you are always speaking in opinions, I feel like oh, even though kind of unbeknownst to you because you're just trying to engage in the, the situation you're stuck in, you will become obnoxious to people. People will be like, this guy can't keep his mouth shut about X, Y, or Z. And like, oh, it's always JP's always got to get a word in about Bob. I just think that that'll lead you down a road to people maybe not liking you. However, I do think that the value of a fact, this, I mean, we could talk about the whole like politics, fake news thing. That's not what I'm getting at, but I'm saying the value of a fact has declined because all facts are easily accessible to everyone, basically, thanks to the internet. So if you're able to conjure fact after fact after fact, it's just way less useful than it used to be. So if someone asked me this question and grown up in the 50s, I think I probably would have said fact because people would think, wow, this guy's a total genius and like we need to have him around, yada, yada, yada. Whereas nowadays, um, facts are easily accessible and I just don't think they have the same level of value. I mean, I would have to quit my career either way because I need to provide facts and I need to provide opinion. And I guess maybe I could be a very strict like, associate press news writer with only facts but it, it would be very tough to do my <laughs> job so i'd probably have to find a different career either way but i, I would go with you i think i would go with opinions as well and just try and make sure that I, I probably would keep my mouth shut more than i do now you know what sucks about opinions too is everybody's gonna think you're selfish as hell like everything is like <laughs> about what do you think what about I think? <laughs> I think you know what I'm saying. That's that having relationships would would be would be making it tough. You'd probably have to be a loner at some point. But well, yeah, I would I would talk so much less than I talk <laughs> now. Like I would I would reduce the words spoken by me by like a good sixty eight percent. I think you'd be able to be a good writer though, factual writer. I think you'd be able to to nail it. It might not it might not be in like a sports media realm. It might be more academic type of writing and then I gotta go back and get a master's and all that does. <laughs> like it, my my career is definitely gonna be severely affected by this. But yeah, there's probably a way to do it. I just think because facts are so uh easy to get, um you would bring more value to the world potentially with your opinions. Yeah, you know what? I want to tell you on something that you said earlier about why you picked the baseball thing and make it most of, you, most of your life and there's ups and downs. I think that you're going to you're in a time right now for you that and this is crazy to think, but many years down the line, this is I think that these three together is going to be historical. Yeah, there's a good there's a good chance that uh the Blue Jays of now um, this will be kind of like the introductory chapters to something that is, uh, yeah, remembered for decades to come. Yep. So you see, you got you got so, some big shoes to fill. No pressure. Yeah, I can hit. I, I hit my prime at exact. I'm, you know, like Ross Atkins always talk about, like aligning players' primes. If I align my prime with their prime, uh, yeah. If I could get get to that in the next kind of two to three years, then then we're really talking. You'll be ready to rock. Well, I'll be like the the old man, like me in f- sixty. No, let's say forty years. 
uh, getting interviewed in documentaries. Like there'll be a <laughs> Ken Burns style documentary about the Blue Jays, and it'll be like, "Who was there?" It's like, "Oh, that, well, this guy's still alive. He was there." You're gonna have a. Like, you're gonna, I remember. And I, and I can Bobichet. see you. And I can see you doing it with the longest gray beard possible. Just still looks like an absolute just mountain man. Well, that's the dream. It's good. We've mapped out my entire future here on the podcast. <laughs> I told you, I told you that this would you rather was very philosophical and we've gone in a philosophical direction with it. So we appreciate you guys tolerating, you know, maybe a more rambly episode than usual. Uh, but we we're always appreciative of you tuning in every week, continuing to review and subscribe. And whether you're listening, Spotify or iTunes or Google Play, Wherever you find us, uh, we love you and we hope that you will tune in next week. See ya!